Hallelujah. 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 It is good to see you in the house of the Lord today. Hallelujah. How many feel like they are glad to see 2019 in your rearview mirror? Let me see your hand. You know what? what's so exciting about this time of year is that even though you either had a good year or a bad year, hopefully everybody had a good year, but we can by hope believe that next year will be better. Can we all agree on that? Well, let me tell you, I, I'm excited about 2020 uh, and, and just all the things that it has in store. And, you know, as we're changing some things in our church as we get into the next year, and uh, just some of the things that are on the horizon, just in the month of January and February and March that we've already planned, let, let me say this, that the whole year looks bright. And, and I want to encourage you and challenge you uh, to give the ability for the Word of God, give us a year and it'll change your life. You know, as, as we come to the end, really this could be considered the first Sunday of a new year because of what I'm going to talk about today. And uh, But before I get into that, I, I want you to realize that next week for our Christian education at 9.30, 9.30, we're starting uh, a whole new semester and it's entitled... Developing people for the art of living. You know, sometimes you go, I, I just, I wish somebody could help me out of the situation I'm in. You know, I don't know about you, but if, if you've ever learned a new program on the computer, uh, if you just have to read a book on how to do it or do one of the tutorials, you know, the helps and you go through all that, it can take you hours and not days. But if somebody could just sit down next to you and just go through some of the basic, uh, operating keys and everything that it's it just accelerates the whole thing that that's what the church is going to do for you in 2020 just plugging in i, I believe it's going to change your life up to this point of where you are in your life i'm praying for more capacity in my life some of the things and uh you know habits that maybe i've gotten into will be broken that we'll see a new day dawning i, I believe that and if I believe that, that's the beginning of seeing it. It's going to be up to you if you take it from there. Then I start a new sermon series next week called What Makes You Happy? And, and I'll just leave it at that. But I want to encourage you also this week to, to kind of put some thought to that and process that. What makes you happy? What makes you happy? All right, let's go on. Some of you will go, well, um, um, and, and we'll talk about that. And so in the next week, again, we'll take the Lord's Supper together and, and we'll put it all together to kick off the new year. You know, this is a great time of year of uh, Christmas and, you know, really Thanksgiving and Christmas and now New Year's. Uh, this this last week, I, I've got an announcement that congratulations to Paul and Jessica. Would you stand would you guys stand at this time? I know it might be a little embarrassing, but let's give them a hand. It, the reason is they got engaged to be married. If you did not know that, I wanted to say that after everybody clapped because they, well, what happened? They get a new car? Did they, uh, whatever. But uh, no, they are engaged and we're excited about the young couples that are getting engaged and married in our, our church and, and 
Just the, again, the hope that goes with that. This morning, let's begin by praying over the message. And I want to just have you, as we pray, I want you to just say it out of your mouth. God, I want you to speak to me. Okay? Because a lot of times when a pastor preaches or a speaker speaks, that someone goes, you know, I'm, I'm glad my husband's here to hear that. Or, or vice versa. So, But I want you to say, God, speak to me today. Let's pray. Father, I pray that you would speak to me today. And God, as you have spoke to me all week, as this sermon has been on my heart, that God, just like you spoke to me, I pray that you would customize this message to each person here. That God, that as we begin to learn things that maybe we've already learned and forgot, or maybe it's the first time that we learned it, maybe we learned the wrong way of doing it and we need to reframe our thinking. Whatever it is, God, I pray that God, each one of us would give permission to your Holy Spirit to speak to us in a personal way today. In your name we pray, amen. This passage is called the fruit of your life. It's found in Luke chapter 6. We're going to be talking about a similar passage a little bit later. But in Luke chapter 6, listen to this. You'll never find choice fruit hanging on a bad, unhealthy tree. Has anybody ever heard the story about what's worse than finding a worm in an apple? Finding half a worm in an apple. All right, it's going to get better after that. Okay, here we go. You'll never find choice fruit hanging on a bad, unhealthy tree, and rotten fruit doesn't hang on a good, healthy tree. Now listen to this. Every tree will be revealed by the quality of fruit that it produces. Figs or grapes will never be picked off of thorn trees. Now watch this, how it compares. Jesus parallels it to people. People are known in the same way. Out of the virtue stored up in their hearts, out of the virtue, the power stored up in their hearts, good and upright people will produce good fruit. But out of the evil hidden in their hearts, evil ones will produce what is evil. For the overflow, for the overflow of what has been stored in your heart will be seen, it's going to be seen by eyes, it will be seen by your fruit and will be heard in your words. So in other words, you could say there's a gauge that is on all of us that what comes out of our mouth and it, people will be able to see it in the fruit that we're producing. Now, today we are preparing for 2021. And I'm excited about 2021. And we, there's a lot of things for 2021 for us. And somebody's going to go, Pastor, I thought next year was 2020. And see, that's what sometimes we get in the problem of thinking. We'll just, we'll just prepare for whatever we have to. Pastor, I never have more clear sight than when I look back on my life because I can have hindsight is 2020 and I can see all the things that have happened and I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have done that more and so forth. So what I'm saying is as we're preparing right now for 2021, the things that will be done in 2020 will be seen and even heard of us in 2021. What's happening right now in your life 
is what you prepared and planned, even if you didn't prepare or plan it, in 2018, in the early part of 19. This morning I want to talk about our future, and especially in the area of our relationships. It's the most valuable asset that we have is the people that mean something to us, our relationships that are around us. Not just our immediate family, but you know, grandmas and grandpas and, and, and family members at church and people that we have uh, maybe a work association with. All those people, those relationships are the most valuable things that we have. And a lot of times we look at that and we think, well, I, I don't have a whole lot of relationships. And, and today I want us to look at something in the kind of the overview of creating a reservoir of how we have love in our life and how it's being poured out as good fruit into the relationships that we associate with. Think about it with me. If you kept making withdrawals out of your savings account, after a while you go in there and go, you know, I'll take another. And they go, no, you won't. Because you haven't made deposits in your savings account. Therefore, all you've done is made withdrawals. When you think about it, you could go to your, uh, you could go to your uh, refrigerator. Don't we love it this time of year? Refrigerators? They're just bustling with leftovers and stuff. Do I want ham or turkey? We could go, though, and not put anything back into our refrigerators. And there's a point where we have to go to the grocery store or the amount of stuff that's in the refrigerator will begin to dwindle. It's crazy to think that we could fill up our car when we get it, whenever we purchase it, and think that it will drive forever and ever and ever and ever. Have you ever driven with somebody that you look over and it's on E? And they're just a talking like they have no plans on pulling over here. When I would, I would maybe, could, could I buy some gas? Could we pull over here? Because there's something about being nervous about running out of something. If we aren't planning to run out, we're going to run out. So in our relationships, if we're not depositing into each other, there's a day coming that we go, you know what, I just don't like you. Now we would never say it like that. But even the bigger things in life that we know that we need to share things with, let's just say is an opportunity to go to someone's birthday party or somebody's you know, graduation. No, I'm too busy. Why? Because your relationship has dwindled down to a place where you go, you know what, I, I just, I'm too busy. There's not enough margin in my life anymore. I, I've been just spending it constantly. This morning, I, I want to use, because I could use a lot of uh, different stories in the Bible to make my point. But this is one that's been right here in my brain for quite a while. And, and the, it's a story that a lot of us have heard before if you've been in the church. And it's found in the book of Judges, chapter 6, about a character named Gideon. Now, now this guy Gideon, I, I want you to see, just in an overview real quick, is that he there's a problem. And he's looking around for a solution, but, but at the same time, he, he doesn't see himself as a solution. The, the story goes like this. He's in this big container trying to hide as he's, he's making the, the grapes into wine because... There is a great enemy called the Mennonites. Now, it's not important what they look like or what they smell like, but they're an enemy. And here's why they're an enemy. Because everything that Israel produces, 
Everything that there's a deposit into Israel. The, the things that are God-given. The, the, the ability to, to have safety and the ability to produce food. They're, they're planting crops and they're, they're having you know all the livestock and everything so that they can produce an economy. And the story is this great enemy. It, it says that they're almost like locusts. That they come in and they're too numerous to count them and their camels. But they go from one part of Israel all the way down through Israel and they're stealing everything. They're taking livestock, all the crops, all anything that they could find. And when they leave, they're pretty much looking at Israel as their slaves. They're th- Thank you again. Thank you for doing all the work of planting and watering and and, and weeding and getting the rocks out and producing healthy fruit and vegetables and everything. Thank you for all the livestock. We're going to steal everything. Now this morning, I, I want you to see this because I'm going to have you get something later. But in this story right here, I, I want you to focus on the ability or on the... the uh, The point that in our relationships, all the stuff that a lot of times that we know to do and we're working on it, the enemy can come in and steal it every time just on some kind of stupid decision. You know, as a kid, we don't say stupid, you know. So but so I'm gonna do it for effect. That's about the strongest word I can use right now. Stupid. The Bible says that the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord. And for seven years, they were given over to the Midianites. You, you could say that they did stupid things because, again, in my understanding of this economy and everything, that people would shift their allegiance to different gods who they thought were more powerful to bring them more. Whatever. Here's the Midianites, and they're so powerful that God is saying, why are you worshiping the gods that the Midianites? Why are you worshiping Bel? Why are you worshiping Athner? All these other gods. And it's because all the things that those other people, they would not stay loyal to God. There are negative side effects to stupid decisions. Circumstance, circumstances and consequences, though doesn't mean, listen to me, doesn't mean that you can't be forgiven. But being forgiven doesn't mean that there isn't consequences to stupid choices. Can I say it this way? Wouldn't it be wonderful not to have consequences to stupid choices that we've made? Oh. We could probably get the you know testimony line going. Well, there was one time that I thought that I didn't need oil in my car and And we could all reflect back about stupid choices. But the consequences that have come. This morning, I want us to fight against those before we make those choices in our relationships. There's a lot of stories out there of people that have gotten fights and done crazy things that they've regretted later. Listen to a few of these. In Orlando, a 48-year-old man was shot to death by his wife after a fight over satellite over the satellite TV controls. Some of you are going, I know what she was going through. A 
Listen to this one. In California, a man was stabbed to death by his girlfriend because he brought home a McDonald's ham, egg, and cheese bagel instead of an egg McMuffin. She'd asked for so, so She was so mad. So that's a lesson for all of us, but Paul, I'm just saying. You better get it right. Leave off. Yeah. In Dallas, a 37-year-old man was beaten to death by his roommate after a fight over the thermostat setting in their house. Has anybody... No, let's not even talk about that. But, but see, here, here's the difference. Between a Christian and a non-believer, there's got to be a difference. There's got to be good fruit versus bad fruit. There shouldn't be Christians that are going, I am so mad, I'm going to kill you. Well, pastor, I don't, I don't need any of that. And, and we have those times in our lives that we've got to say, okay, okay, why am I getting to the place of making a stupid decision? And, and the question is, are we again making deposits in our life to the point that one day when that situation arises, that there'll be an overflow of good fruit coming out versus just a bunch of Venom. Much of, I'm going to strangle you. And I, I just, I, I just look at this passage of scripture, and the story is that Gideon is looking for God to come and bring the solution. And, and I want you to see this because God says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, whoa! You're the solution because I'm going to go with you, and I'm going to defeat the Mennonites. But you are the answer." That I'm going to use now. Now this is this is very common sense, but it is common sense is a common practice. When we get in a situation when we've made a bad decision with a with a relationship of ours, it might be let's just take for example our wives or our husbands, and we say something that we regret. We realize just like. Use an illustration like toothpaste squeezing out of a tube. You can't put it back in. It's already out. Before we make those, we were asking God, God, bring a solution into our marriage. Would you just please come down and lay hands upon her before I do? You know, my boss, I just think that God, you could come down and just a swift kick in the seat and everything would be okay. And God says, I put you there for that solution. In Judges chapter 6, verse 12, watch what, what happens. It says, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now again, he's hiding. He doesn't see himself as a mighty warrior. We know that he is in a place of hiding. But he says, pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? See, the circumstances around him are dictating that God isn't with him. It says, where are all his wonders? I, I believe in a room this size that there's people that are going, why isn't God working? Why isn't God 
moving in my relationships that I feel like my capacity is getting bigger and I can be more towards the people in my family and my community. And Where is God in all this? And, and listen, this is what Gideon is saying. Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? See, there's a lot of people that go, my grandma, man, she would walk in the grace of God and I could see her do things that I've never seen in my life. The enemy just beats me up continually. This is what Gideon is doing. It says, Gideon says, but now the Lord has abandoned us and given us over into the hand of Midian. Now watch this. Gideon's belief system was created out of his past experiences. And now his choices, and you could say his terminology, says God has abandoned us, which really means God has abandoned me. Can, can I say it another way? Because of all the things in his past experience, you know, God never does anything for me. And he steps right into that prophetic work. I don't know if you believe in prophecy or not, but he's prophesying over his own life. And when it happens, he goes, see? And he says it again, and it happens again. Again, when we're as believers, and we realize that the Holy Spirit lives in us, that we have the solution right here in us as far as the, the relationship struggles that we go through. So his belief system is being based on his past experiences. And out of your belief system, you will make choices. If you could just get that little formula down, it would change your life. See, my, my children have always treated me with disrespect. You're going to step right into that. And begin to watch it take place in your life. Your past experience now creates a belief system that your children are always going to disrespect you. So when something comes up that you're going to bless your children, you're going, I'm not blessing them. Because you're making choices based on your new belief system that a lot of times will then be reciprocal. Just continue to rotate. Just continue that crazy cycle that just keeps coming back. The first passage that Jesus was saying is good fruit comes from somebody that is doing the right thing over and over consistently. That's not saying with their mouth, not doing things that people can see that is bad fruit. But good fruit. It says that the Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of the Midianites' hand, am I not going? Am I not sending you? I'm choosing you. I'm choosing you, Gideon, to be the answer. I'm choosing you, husband, father, uncle, aunt, mother, sister, daughter. You're the answer. Well, I'm not moving until they do it. There's the ones that are older than me, and they should come and apologize. You're the answer. Quit that confession over yourself saying no I'm not I'm not going to do it you don't know what they did to me this is a new year and to be able to get something different you're going to have to break that chain off of your life that says it'll never be the same is somebody teeing off at golf that was a kind of a all right 
was a golf applause, but I'll take it. Okay, let's go on. It says in verse 15, pardon me, my Lord. I love this. Gideon's like, whoa, 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 one more thing. Pardon me, Lord. Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I'm the least in my family. Again, how do you see yourself? Do you see yourself as even possibly an answer? Do you invest into putting things back into your life? Or are you saying, you know what? I never, I, I'm, people don't look at me that way. I'm, I'm heavy. I'm too young. I'm too old. Gideon is confessing over his own life. I can't be the answer. I'm the weakest. I'm the, the least. Now watch this. If that is you today and only you know, Here's your answer to that question. Verse 16, the Lord answered, because I'll be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Now remember, he's visibly seen this, that there's so many of them that you can't even count them. And now what is being spoken into his life is, you're the answer and you will bring the victory not only to yourself that you can get out of hiding, But God, I'm going, the angel says, God is going to be with you as you go and defeat them. There's none of them going to be like, all of them. Sometimes you look back on your lives and some of the things that you've said and done to people that are around you and and it begins to say, God, I I cannot bring resolution to all of the things that have happened. There's just too many of them out there. You speak the size of your God when you say that you can't do it, even when He says that He will go with you to do it. Who you become is not determined by your circumstances. The outcome of your life will be determined by your outlook on life. I've said it before, Our greatest problem isn't circumstantial. Our greatest problem are perceptual. The way that we see them. And a lot of times it's because of what we've confessed with our mouth that has put us in a place that now is our belief system and out of our choices. See, it's because we've seen that person right there is a knothead and I don't want to have anything to do with them. And God says, if you don't forgive them, you're not going to be forgiven. And there's that uneasiness of time that goes by where we go, okay, I'll forgive them. But I won't trust them. You can't make me trust them. And we begin to build that case. Boy, it's quiet in here because I know I'm hitting a vein. One of the good things about preaching is I'm up here and I can see everybody's faces and the ones that are sitting by their wives and their husbands are like this. I'm glad that God made our eyes move back and forth without our necks because it would be obvious. God allows us to hear and see and then we can say, just like Gideon is going to be given an opportunity to go down to the camp that the Midianites are 
staying at. Their camp is there. And he begins to hear the confession of the enemy. And what was, again, what was thought that this big bad enemy that's going to run in and destroy Israel, when he realizes that the enemy is scared of Gideon and the Israelites. There's a change of looking at something, a change of paradigm that God allows him to see that changes everything. Because watch what happens. In Judges chapter 7, it says, and I'm just going to summarize this, when Gideon heard the dream and in the interpretation, he worshipped God, he returned to the camp of Israel and called out. Now watch this. This is the guy that's hiding. This is the guy that's going, only 300 men can go with me, God. This is the same guy that says when he gets back after God changes the way that he sees things, now he's changing the way that he's talking and confessing because he goes back to the army, his little, this little 300 group of men, and says, get up! I love that part. There, there's something about, that if we're not careful, we'll fall into depression, and those words bother us. Get up! Pastor, did you know what I'm going through? I've gone through it. Gideon says, get up. The Lord has given the Midianite camp into your hands. Now, now watch this. Let me ask you a question. Has God given the Midianites into their hands? Listen, you could say, no, not yet. But if you're walking by faith, and I'm not here to criticize if you said, no, not yet. But if you are walking by faith, you say, Yes, at the moment God said it, they were fodder for the Israelites. He says, get your trumpets, listen, empty jars and torches and let's go. Now now think about this. As God is telling us to do something in our relationships with each other and not allow the enemy to come into our life and talk us out of it, the enemy saying, that person is too bad. He, they've done too bad and too much stuff against you in 2019. It was consistent of what they did. They knew what they were doing. Here's what I want you to say. God asked the army and Gideon to do something that was outside of what had ever been done before to our knowledge. I, I, I love historical war and different things in history. I've never heard this ever take place again. If you're a history buff, I'd like to hear your opinion. And maybe you know something where what God is going to do has never been uh, practiced or proven, but the 300 men are going to take on thousands and thousands and thousands of enemy soldiers by scaring them. If you're one of the 300 that's lucky enough to stay with the group that was over 30,000, now there's only 300, and these 300 are going to be told, you're going to go boo to the enemy. What? If you've never heard this story, you need to read your Bible because it's just good stuff. When in verse 17, Gideon says to the, to the 300, watch me, follow my lead. This is the scaredy guy. This is the guy that says it'll never change. And where's God? What has he done? Where's the wonders? Now, without actually seeing anything done, there's something about faith that has come into his life and propelled him to do something that most of the community, most of the circumstances of life would have said, you're crazy. 
And what they're going to do is all 300 men are going to go around the mountainsides where the camp is in the valley. And at a certain given time, Gideon is going to say, throw your jar down. Blow the trumpet. I don't know, maybe they were bad trumpeteers. I don't know. And then they were going to have the torches. And then they're going to shout out this. It's almost like, what? We're going to shout out. For the Lord and for Gideon. We're going to shout that out. Now, One of the 300 might have said, could, could we go over that as a group? Because if it's got something that I'm not saying, I'd like to say it right. For the Lord and Gideon. No, no, you got to say it a little loud. Whatever. They're trying to put it in their mind that there's a way of doing it that's going to just be obedient. Have you ever understood that when God tells you something, the best time to do it is right now? Not in the morning. Because you'll talk yourself out of it or the enemy will come and say something to you. You can't do that tomorrow. It's amazing. It says that after they did this, all this enemy runs for their life. The rest of the Israelite army joins the 300 and chases them for days, killing them one by one. Now, because we know the end of the story, we go, I I knew that was going to happen. No, you didn't. And what I'm trying to point out today is you don't know what could happen right now in your relationships with those people that you've already burned the bridge and said, there's no going back. Or maybe in a relationship that now is is kind of tethered, you know, the the rope that has held you together. But when God says, I can do it, I can be with you and you're the answer to the problem. To overcome the antagonist in Israel, they had to do something out of what they've always had done in the past. That in their strength, their army was not able to overcome Midianite and the Midianites came in because of a stupid decision that they had made previous in not serving the Lord. So here's the thing. Is this coming year, you might be in a place that you've gotten away from the things of God. I'm not saying that you're a, a sinner and you're a... You know, grace is here for all of us. And let me tell you, I need grace. But here's what I'm saying. When you begin to, again, get back into the things of God and allow the truth of God to begin playing in your heart, not only will they mend those relationships that are broken, but future relationships will be protected because of what is going in your life and having an overflow to be able to be generous to somebody else. God loves to take the underdog and, and, and show that His power exists. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the, uh, in the fiery furnace. Or you can say David and Goliath, the antagonist that was just there challenging them all the time. Again, I'm talking about relationships today. Can, can I just say this? In Matthew chapter 12, the first passage that I read goes like this. For out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Be careful what you're saying because people can go, I know what's going on on the inside. The good man brings out good things out of the good stored up in him. 
And the evil man brings out evil things out of the evil stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. In Matthew 15, it says, but the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. You realize the difference between a thermometer and a thermostat? A thermometer just measures what the surrounding is doing, the weather around, the temperature. The mercury in the thermometer just goes up and down whatever the temperature in the room is. The difference is the thermostat, you can set a thermostat on a certain temperature and if everything's working right, the proper equipment, the, the weather in the atmosphere, in the room, will change. That's kind of what we sang about today. When we worship God, it's amazing how the atmosphere can change because of our praise and worship to Him. As Christians, can I tell you, that as our world begins to get further and further away from God, we understand that the things that we have been blessed with are been taken for granted. It's amazing to me. My father-in-law was down for Christmas and he's in his mid-80s. And we were talking about, you know, that how Christmas has come, Christmas has go. And he he reminisced back when he was a little boy. And now, for us... You, you're probably thinking of what, what kind of possession will I be given as a gift? He was laughing because when he was a little boy, they did not have enough money for gifts. And a lot of people didn't in that time period. But he would look forward to Christmas because the family would spend the money on food. He said it was so exciting looking into this china kind of cabinet when they had pies and cakes to look into. He's telling the story when our table is so full of food that it, you know, you got to kind of make sure it don't fall off. We, we've been blessed with more knowledge how to get along. I mean, we, we know that we could even Google Christian counseling on knotheads that we work with. How do we overcome that? The, the, the ability to get the information is more there than ever in history. But it's in doing it. And as Christians, listen, the Christian world needs heroes and role models. We need people that we realize we're safe around because they have the desire to walk in love like we do. But we have to come to grips with understanding that we are the salt of the earth. We are the light in a dark world. That when we go into places, that we don't say what somebody that's not a believer will say. They don't do a report that we're going to stab our roommate in the neck because of the thermostat. What we're going to get into this in weeks to come, and I... Just because of time, I want to wrap it up. But our goal is to eventually, just like the thermostat, begin to changing the temperature 
of those people around us by walking in love. If you ever noticed uh, about the Maslow hierarchy of needs that we all deal with, you know, the very basic is food, clothing, and shelter. If we don't have that, nothing else matters. But, but what he said is the next step is after we have those, then we have to have safety. There, there's something about safety. And then third is love and belonging. I believe that in our lives, in our busy lives, when we don't have a lot of margin because we're go, 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 go. Our, our margin gets very low and we begin to go back instead of being in the loving and belonging and being a part of something and, and walking in love, that we regress back to the safety. I, I don't know if they'll treat me well or not. I don't know if I can reach out. I don't know if I'm able to reach out. I'm just the weakest in my family and the least in my whole clan. And we begin to confess that. If you're taking notes, let me give you three things and we'll wrap this up and we'll take it for weeks to come. In 2020, it's in changing our habits that's going to create a reservoir, something of a reservoir of love. It's going to be our habits. I want you to think on these things. Success is the product of daily habits. It's not a once in a lifetime transformation. It's a matter of doing the right thing, even if it's a little thing. Huh? It, come on now. Can we all think of some of those little things that get on our last nerve? You put the toilet paper again going over instead of under. You didn't get my favorite cereal. Urgh! It's in the little things. Overlooking those. The second thing is you should be more concerned with your current trajectory than with your current results. Are you going somewhere? Are you creating habits of love in your family and those people that you work with? The network of people that you live with and work with and talk with on a daily basis. Are you going somewhere? Or are you just satisfied because I made it through another week? And then the last one. The most effective way to change your habits is not to focus on what you want to achieve, but on who you want to become. It's not on what you want to achieve in making your habits, but it's who you want to become. Let me explain that, and then we'll pray and be dismissed. So many times we want to set a system or a goal instead of a system in place. And we're trying to get something that we can achieve. Instead of creating habits, just little habits consistently throughout our life, and consistently means almost every day. This is something the longer you're married. Did I say that out loud? The longer that you're with somebody in a relationship, the thing that you think of that your spouse or somebody else, they don't need to hear that. They know that I love them. 
I know that I could give her a rose, but you know what? She might think that's a waste of money. Don't fall into that trap, gentlemen. She does not think that's a waste of money. Do you know that you could make her breakfast in bed? These guys just got married right here. Do, do you know that you could bring something to your boss? If you're a boss and someone brought you something, you'd be like, what do you want? Do you know that you could say something on purpose that you've already written out in your mind what you're going to say to that person at work because you're going to walk in love this year? Give you a little work. Ladies, you know what your husband wants for Christmas, maybe because you heard him say it. What is other things that he's saying that you could work in love? What are those other things that you're the solution? All the men are smiling ear to ear and all the women are thinking, sex. Can you as a husband and wife look at it different instead of saying, he's trying to get something from me and she's saying, I'm trying to, he's trying to get something from me. That you can just put down your rights and walk in love this year. Try one year. Try it on me. You can see me next December and say, I did it. And it didn't work, Pastor. But chances are, you'll stroll in here and go, what a year this has been. Because you walked in love. This, this, this is bigger than one week. So we're going to be talking about that. And I encourage you, wait in. It's going to be uncomfortable. It's going to be a little bit, takes more discipline to change habits in our life. But I know you can do it. And really, God calls us to be the answer. Just like Gideon was the answer, you're the answer. Let's pray. Father, we know that you have assigned us as the answer solely because you say that you'll be with us. You'll never leave us nor forsake us. And God, that means that as we go, as we're obedient in doing what You've asked us to do, that we keep our ears and our heart open that we might hear Your voice and be able to correct our steps. And Father, not to get off track. Father, we know that You'll give us grace and we are so thankful for grace. But God, You give us grace to be able to do the right thing. Father, that's what we ask this year. As we say goodbye to 2019 and say, all right, come on 2020. That Father, with hope and faith, we look forward to even better things. Because God, you're with us. In your wonderful name we pray. Amen. Amen.